0: From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps. Browse our shop now at TNTradio.live. The Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT. Hello, it's Friday and welcome to The Freeman Report, which puts the world's leading scientists, doctors, politicians and expert commentators right at the heart of today's News Talk and Our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. Um, It is Friday the 9th of February 2024 and it is the um, end of another eventful week. Very eventful week this week actually. Um, The Carlson-Putin interview um, landed last night in the UK It seems that the Welsh farmers have finally had enough and have indicated that they are going to be joining European farmers in protest. Following a meeting in Carmarthenshire here in Wales last night that was attended by 3000 farmers. Um, We also had more confirmation if we needed it that um, yesterday that Biden will most likely not be the Democratic nominee for president. Following news that the reason he will likely not face prosecution for holding classified files is because his memory is too poor. And Ireland might be the key to stopping the pandemic accord, the WHO accord um, that the the organisation is trying to push through. I'll talk about all of this in just a moment. So in terms of the Putin interview by Tucker Carlson, um, I watched the first hour last night and I have to be honest, I actually fell asleep. um, So I haven't actually seen the whole thing. Um, It was very, very history heavy um, the first hour, um, so not riveting um, enough to stop me nodding off. Um, To be fair, Tucker did say um, at the start of the interview that he was frustrated with the first hour, uh, but true to his word, he did publish the full unedited interview, which he promised to do. Now, looking at some of the comments this morning, it appears that many things that people wanted to hear Putin talk about were missed out, like the biolabs run by US defence companies near the Russian border in Ukraine and the degeneration of Western society, which Putin has spoken about before. Um, But the fact that Putin talked about Russian history for um, an hour will have undoubtedly limited the range of topics that Tucker could bring up, else it would have been a three to four hour interview. Um, I will be watching um, the interview later today in full, um, and so I'll comment on it personally um, next week. So. Welsh farmers have finally had enough and will start to take action, joining widespread protests already taking place across Europe. Um, Last night's meeting of 3,000 farmers in Carmarthenshire follows a meeting of 1,000 farmers in Welshpool here in Wales also um, last week. Um, After last night's meeting, a coffin was paraded alongside a plaque with the words RIP Welsh Farming in memory of Welsh Farming and no farmers, no food, which is obviously the new campaign that Gareth Wynne-Jones and James Melville talked about when they were on the Freeman Report a couple of weeks ago. This is great news. Um, The farmers have the full support of TNT and we will be covering events very closely in the coming days. And I'm delighted to say that Welsh farmer and YouTube sensation Gareth Wynne-Jones will be joining me again um, on today's show in the final part of the show. What we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about that meeting last night and, um, you know, what was said, what are the conclusions and what should we expect in the days ahead. And if you want to hear a really in-depth interview with Gareth Wynne-Jones, then Dee Dee Denslow, our very own Dee Dee Denslow at TNT, will be doing a full show with Gareth this Sunday at 12 p.m. So make sure you do not miss that. On the news that Biden's memory is too poor to stand trial um, for holding classified files. Well, if his memory is too poor to stand trial, then surely it's too poor to be president. That is the implication of this story. To me, this is clearly a managed news story by the Democratic Party to prepare the American public for the fact that Biden will be dropped as their nominee. Interestingly, Vivek Ramaswari has already posted on X to say, here comes Michael, I mean, sorry, I mean, um, Michelle Obama. Um, So definitely expect more twists and turns as we head towards November's election. And... I have fantastic news to end the week um, coming from Ireland regarding our fight to stop the World Health Organization getting legal powers to to stipulate um, to the world what actions our governments will take in the event that they, the WHO, call another pandemic. You see, there is... An Irish Supreme Court ruling from 1987 called the Crotty versus Taoiseach um, ruling, which was a landmark decision which found that the Irish government could not ratify the single European Act at the time unless the Irish constitution was first changed to permit its ratification. Now, I found this out after yesterday's um, show um, that this is the reason that Ireland um, was the only country in Europe to actually hold a referendum on the Lisbon Treaty. I talked about that literally on yesterday's show. Um, The government actually had no choice but to hold the vote because of this ruling. So, to cut a long story short, it means that the Irish people are entitled to a referendum on the World Health Organisation Treaty. Now, to those of you um, that are sharp, I'm sure you'll have already worked out the implications of this. Um, This is great news because... What's going on at the moment is our governments are trying to say nothing to see here, Um, no there's no implications for sovereignty, nothing to see here, we're just going to pass this nice and quietly. Um, So the issue is the public are not really aware and lots of politicians still are not aware of the implications of the treaty. Now. If ireland hold a referendum on this the great thing is that will no longer be the case this will be world news because this is a world news story so the implications are that the public will find out what the implications of this treaty are so this is amazing news and on monday I will have the Irishman at the centre of all of this. Eddie Hobbs will be appearing on the Freeman Report to talk about the ruling and what his team are doing to prepare a legal case against the Irish government. So, as always, the Freeman Report and TNT are right at the heart of today's news. And like, unlike other news organisations, we are giving you the unfiltered stories. I've already mentioned um, today that Gareth Wynne-Jones will be joining me in um, the second part of today's show. And I'm delighted to announce that Sammy Woodhouse will be up first to talk about police and political cover-ups related to the grooming gangs. Um, Sammy was of course on the show a couple of weeks ago, although I felt that we didn't really scratch the surface. We did have some technical issues as well. So I've invited her back on the show so that we can talk more in depth about this incredibly important story. If you want to get in touch to suggest a topic, um, share some information that you've got, or to suggest a guest, then email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And as always it's friday get involved in the conversation head over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon my name is james freeman and this is the freeman report for today's news talk tnt
0: talk that matters for
1: once we just need to do what's best for the same country and not what's best for the world today's news talk radio tnt happy friday Gemma.
2: Happy Friday, James. And just hearing you talk about the Tucker Carlson Putin interview, I was discussing this with Dean Mackin uh, when I first started broadcasting for the UK arm of TNT at at six o'clock this morning here at UK time. I, I thought it was quite a blinder that he spent the first half, first hour uh, of the interview, talking about Russian history, because you know, I think that's what the Russian people will want, and I think it's a very shrewd move. Where's national pride gone? We're we're taught to be so uh, dismissive and uh, feel guilty about our past here in Britain, uh, and I think as well in, in Australia and America, we're taught to feel guilty about things. And and where's national pride gone? I think that was a very political move there of talking about the formation of Russia, the history of Russia, the culture of Russia. Yes, it might have bored people in the West, and you may have fallen asleep, but in terms of what that actually set the st- the scene for in terms of how Russian pride was at the table there I think that was very clever of him
1: I'm going to disagree with you <laughs> not, on <the laughs> <substance, enough>. <laughs> not on the substance actually um, not on the substance Gemma because I think yes it's important to point out the fact that you know this isn't as simple as re- Ukraine is this country and Russia is this country but I think spending an hour on it I think he shot himself in the foot a little bit because Putin clearly wants um, to reach out to Western audiences. That's why he agreed to do the interview. And I just think spending an hour on that. I mean, look, I I stayed up to watch it last night and I fell asleep (laughs) um, before we moved on from that point. And I just think that many people that will hear about this will will start watching it, and they'll just turn off actually because they won't they won't actually get as far as the 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 bits that have political implications in the U.S., which is why did you invade Ukraine, um, you know, and 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 what 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 is your purpose? What are you going to do? Are you going to invade Poland next? Or and all of these really important questions because that's why America is telling its populace why this is so important that. Um, that america support them because putin wants to take over europe you know he wants to invade other countries so yeah i'm going to disagree slightly slightly with you there but anyway gemma we've got to move on so what story have you got for us today
2: well, just one thing on that one, because like, this is the biggest story for broadcasters. <laughs> it, well, this is the biggest yeah. story for broadcasters in the world, you know, and we're TNT, we're all about free speech. One, he, he clearly was saying, I own this interview. If I want to spend an hour talking about Russian history, yeah. I will. Uh, secondly, he understands social media. He understands that everything will be chopped up, disseminated, and the bits yeah, that need true. to get out are the, yeah. be- are the bits that will need to get out. He's a very shrewd person, um, and I just think he was, he was, he was staking us, putting his flag in the sand for his country in a way that other leaders in the West are not doing that. They're telling us to all feel guilty about everything we've ever done ever, which doesn't do a lot for morale or history in itself, in context, uh, moving forward. And that's all I'll say about that one. You know, I've been talking yeah, about no, this all and, morning.
1: And, and I'm going to say something else as well. That was a good comeback, Gemma. Um, I take your points on. Actually, you are right there, actually. It will be chopped up. So, um, so yes. Um, well, I'm not going to say you're right, but that was a good Again. point, Gemma.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, anyway, I know we haven't got long coming up to the break now, and uh, it's just a very short story, actually, which I wonder if it's indicative of how the situation in the Middle East might be changing. I just came across uh, this story a few minutes ago, actually, before we came on air. It's about British Airways, though, in the flagship travel company of Britain, of the UK. It's world famous. You know, nobody can fail to see the airliners with the Union Jack or the Union crest on the on the on the tail wing. And it's announced today that it plans to resume flights to the Middle East, to, to Israel, beginning in April, not long now. Uh, it was among many, many world airlines that suspended flights to Tel Aviv from October the 7th, obviously when everything kicked off there in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas. But it has announced that it from the 1st of April, it will do four services a week, but there will be short haul services on smaller aircraft um, to Tel Aviv Uh, And it's a commercial decision that they have taken uh, and it's completely always 24 hours under review. Also, instead of going straight to Tel Aviv, uh, the crew will stop off in Cyprus and there'll be a crew change there because under current security measures, it's too dangerous for for crews to fly directly from London straight into Tel Aviv. There will be a crew changeover and the same on the way back, a 45-minute stopover. Um, As I say, it was among most of the international airlines. There were only a handful that remained flying in and out of Israel after October the 7th, but they've decided to resume flights now, you know, it's a big, huge international commercial airline operation. Have they got insider information that, you know, the situation is likely to decrease? They wouldn't put passengers at risk. You know, airlines are fraught with insurance comp- um Uh, claims at the best of times for delays and complications. So they clearly feel that the safety issue is lessening and that that it's safe to return commercial flights, short-haul flights, so they are, to Tel Aviv. So that's the situation as we end it on a Friday. Let's take that as some kind of positive note that some kind of normality will soon be restored in that part of the world, along with calls for ceasefires, truces, uh, and and everything else that's gone on over the last few weeks relating to Israel, Hamas. And British Airways seem to be possibly leading the fold for other commercial airlines to, to follow suit. We'll see.
1: Yeah, Gemma, I'm not sure that this is an indication things are going to return to normal because Netanyahu in the last couple of days has basically said there will be no ceasefire. Um, we want total victory. Um, and now there are... Um, you know, there's rumours, well not rumours, it's being reported um, on various news platforms that they're going to now move the location where they're uh, fighting with um, with Hamas to another location where 1 million Palestinian citizens um, are residing in I forget the exact location but so this is far from um, done yet and I fear that we're probably going to see more civilian deaths um, and that that the number's increasing again um, in, in the coming days and weeks because it seems that Netanyahu is absolutely Insistent that he's going to finish off um, Hamas, no, no matter what um, the impact has on on the Palestinian people. But we'll we'll keep on reporting this, on this. Um, I'm sure that this story will be about again next week, Gemma. Right, Gemma, um, thank you so much um, for all of your stories this week. I hope you have a great weekend. Um, I'm really looking forward to Monday's show. We're going to have this story. Eddie Hobbs is going to be joining me to talk all about this story in Ireland and the prospect that Ireland might have a referendum um, on the WHO treaty. Huge news, massive, brilliant news um, for everybody in the freedom movement globally. So, Gemma, yeah, have a great weekend. To the rest of you, Um, got another packed show for you today. First up is Sammy Woodhouse after the break now. And then for the second part of the show, we'll have Gareth Wynne Jones. So don't go anywhere, stick with us right here on TNT.
3: TNT's Mark Morano. This just in, we have a new way that's proven effective in dealing with climate protesters who deign to block highways, streets, and other public areas. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this appears to be the most effective way we have, a, uh, we have a field shot, a correspondent on the scene. Let's go to clip four and take a look at how to deal with climate protesters when they block your way on your morning commute. I don't want to see protests shut down. But obviously, when you're blocking traffic and you're doing that, you need to be dealt with. I thought this was a great vigilante way of dealing with it. Mark Morano
0: on today's News Talk TNT.
1: In a democracy, the majority vote rules, but in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the For My Say app now. That is number four, my say.
2: It sounds pretty good. good. It
1: sounds real, dude.
3: Not bad, huh?
1: This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right. I'm delighted that Sammy Woodhouse is with me. Sammy, of course, you were on the show um, just a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't feel at the time that we really covered your story in enough detail. So thank you so much for for coming back. I know you've been really busy. You've been in Wales this week talking about, um, you know, your campaign and stuff. So, yeah, Sammy, thank you for joining me again on The Freeman Report.
4: Oh, thank you for having me, Jane. It's good to be back.
1: Yeah. Okay, Sammy, let's not waste any time. I don't think we need introductions um, to you because people will be familiar from when you were on the show a couple of weeks ago. So let's dive straight in. Um, What we didn't, get, I guess, talk about in detail last time was where this whole story for you started. So if you don't mind, if you could tell us what happened to you, um, I think it was 20 years ago now, was it, Um, if you could talk about that and then what's happened, you know, how that's actually impacted your life um, since.
4: Of course, Um, this all started for me just after my 14th birthday. And I was on um, our local shops with a friend and a man started to drive up the road in a silver sports car. And he got out, he started talking to my friend and my friend knew him a little bit and I knew his brother as well. So he didn't feel like a complete stranger Um, and he asked us if we wanted to go for a spin in the car. So we said, yeah. And I had no idea. But that was going to be the moment that would change my life forever. And I would go on to be abused mentally, sexually, and physically for several years. And my parents found out um, within days, you know, of my new boyfriend, of what I thought back then. I didn't see him, you know, as a, a dangerous person exploiting children. I didn't even know what exploitation was. But my parents found out about him. And of course, he wasn't happy. And they contacted the police. And the police came out to see us. And they said that I was making a lifestyle choice. Um, and there was nothing that they could do for us. And of course, at that time, I didn't, as I say, I didn't recognise I was a victim. I didn't want to make a statement myself. Uh, but I started going missing for days, weeks, even months at a time. And I was everywhere. I was in hotels, b um, in different houses, flats that belonged to both men and women. And I also lived um, with his family as well. So I found out later on that he was married with children. So he would have one house on the street that would have his wife, his dad, children, and then I'd be in the next house with his mum, him um, and his sister. So, you know, when I'm talking to you about this, this isn't something that was a secret. This is something that was very well known, you know, to everyone in the communities, to authorities. But unfortunately, I was never treated as a victim of exploitation, I was always treated as his mistress or someone that was his girlfriend. Um, but I was also being exploited to c- commit crime as well, which a lot of children do. And I received a criminal record um, through that. But I was made pregnant twice. First, when I was 14 years old, which I had determination, termination. And then again, when I was 15 years old. And the authorities um, said they weren't going to be uh, prosecuting him. So I wasn't forced to have an abortion with my second child. So I was allowed to keep him. He's is, uh, is now 22, but um, I was placed into foster care uh, by my parents on a section 20, so that meant that I was in care, but they had full parental um, control over me. And they thought by putting me into care, that was going to keep me safe. Um, unfortunately, that backfired. And once I went into foster care, the authorities said he could have full access to me as long as he dropped me off at the top of the street. I was back by uh, 10 o'clock, and they wanted me to spend more time in school because I'd I'd missed out on about eight or nine months of my education. So I, I then went back to school on a part-time table. Um, but he was um you know invited to my appointments, he was invited on holiday with me and my foster carers. Um and as I said, you know, I was very much treated as his girlfriend. Um, there were so many missed opportunities in, in my case and for for me, this was the norm. I wasn't the only girl this was happening to. You know, all my friends was also being abused. But of course, we didn't see it as abuse. And I didn't for a very long time. Um, I made my first statement when I was 16 years old. And that's because I just thought, you know, it, this is you know, really a really violent situation. I just want it to stop. And the police officer came out and um, he said, well, he's got every right to do what he's done because you've stopped him from seeing his son. Um, on this particular incident, he actually got me by my throat and hung me over the top floor balcony in Rotherham Town Centre. He was um, saying a lot of things which I, I won't repeat because they're very racist towards my son. But he said he was going to set us both on fire, watch us burn. He kicked over the pushchair with my son inside. My son was only a couple of months old. Um, so, you know, when I when I reached out to police, even though they knew about my case, but, you know, this was me going on record, it could have put a stop to a lot of things and they completely ignored it. And I pretty much had to go into witness protection and that wasn't given to me by police or services. Social care actually closed my case and said, because we was a normal family, they didn't feel they needed um, to support us. Um, but I I took um, a very long time to recognise that I was a victim. I got to, I think about 27 years old. Um and that was when I contacted Andrew Norfolk at the Times newspaper, which I did in desperation because I was still trying to get support from services. Because when this happens to your child, you know, the the effects of what happened didn't just stop when he left my life at 16. Mm. And, um, you know, they continued. Um, and I needed and wanted a lot of support for my son as well. Because for my son, what he had to now deal with is his mum has been abused and raped. And um, his father, and we call him father because he did have a brief relationship with him. And um, so, language, when I I use certain language with my son, is really important. And um, I, of course, don't say to him, the rapist, you know, this is his identity I have to protect as well. But, um, you know he he now had to deal with his dad was a person that did that to his mom. This is how he was born from it. And also every single male member of his family is now under investigation for being a paedophile. Then of course, we've got all the, the press and everything to deal with um, as well. So um, yeah, it's been really difficult for me, which is why uh, I'm doing a lot of campaigns around that. But yeah, it took me a long time to contact Andrew Norfolk and try and get it out there um, for the for the public to know about.
1: Sammy that's absolutely shocking um obviously we talked a bit a couple of weeks ago but oh my god learning that detail um I've got a couple of questions before we go to the break and then we're going to after the break we're going to talk about you know some of the cover-ups which have gone on um so his family knew about what was going on right he was married um and you said there was two houses how old was he at the time when you were 14?
4: He was 24 there was 10 years between us
1: right so you know you had one termination and then obviously you got pregnant um you had a termination at 14 and then um you got pregnant at 15 years old so the authorities knew that this 24 year old man was sleeping with and having sex with an under 16 year old that's the legal definition of that it's rape isn't it i mean yeah. um, i
4: th- i think actually it's I think thirteen and under it's classed as rape. I think over that and between sixteen it's underage sex. You'll have to check I'm I'm not familiar with all the laws. We did try yeah, and do something. I think I think
1: I think I think it, I think it is. I, I, I mean, I'll double check after the show, but I'm pretty sure because you cannot consent until you're 16, and so the fact that you cannot consent means legally um, it is rape. Obviously, it becomes more serious, much much more serious when it, when we're talking about sort of under 13 and whatever. But you know, regardless, this this is um, pretty shocking. And you say that he held you above by the neck off a building. Oh my god. It-
4: it was a top floor balcony, but there was lots of circumstances um, and lots of times when he was being really violent yeah. towards. Um, there was one time when I tried to leave him and we was in the car. He started speeding towards the edge of a hilltop and he said he was going to drive off it and kill us both. He slammed the brakes on and I got out of the car and I was physically sick and then he took me to the edge and said he was going to throw me off it um i was that terrified i actually wet myself and then he just placed me into the back of the car um and had sex with me so nothing whatsoever had happened and you know there was so many times as i've said that he could have been stopped there was one occasion when i was actually caught half naked in bed with him nothing happened to him it was me that got took down to the station um so yeah lots of um lots of missed opportunities
1: yeah sammy i'm sure that there's more detail but i think we've got a picture and you we've got a flavor now of these the kind of things that happened to you um you're incredibly brave talking about it by now by the way and i think it's really important that you do so thank you for that um sammy we're just going to go to the break um it's only a short break so we're going to come back and then we're going to talk about um some of the police cover-ups and also political and council cover-ups and then we're going to talk about your brilliant work that you're doing at the moment and what you want to happen to stop the this ever happening to anyone else again. Um, so if you're watching this, don't go anywhere. Stick with us on TNT Radio.
0: I got a news flash for you. TNT
1: Radio News. Matt Boylan here with a look at your TNT headlines. US President Joe Biden has called a rare late night press conference at the White House defending his mental capacity and his ability to run the country.
3: Yeah. I'm the most qualified person in this country to be president of the United States and finish the job I started.
5: Donald Trump is another step closer to securing the Republican presidential nomination after
1: winning the Nevada caucus. And Russian President Vladimir Putin has told Tucker Carlson that he has no intentions of attacking NATO.
0: Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics
1: of our time right here on today's news talk.
0: TNT Radio.
1: TNT Radio right sammy so you've i mean you just shared some pretty shocking um things that happened to you so let's let's i think and i think like i said you i mean you said in the break there you could talk about this all day because obviously this happened over a prolonged period but let's move on because i think we've got an idea of the kind of abuse that you suffered um let's talk about the police first of all and the councils and the the politicians tell us about some of the cover ups that have gone on because you you've you've been forefront with them and, and trying to um, raise awareness of what was going on to you. So tell us what happened.
4: Well, we know that the police were involved and not just the police. Um, there was the council as well. Lots of professionals. You know, this weren't just one or two people. We're talking about police officers that was directly involved in abusing um you know, children and completely turning a blind eye and, you know, kind of in their back pocket as such. Um, My complaints that I had with the IOPC have been upheld. Um, but as per usual, you know, we get these reports come out, we get these investigations, it gets upheld and nothing whatsoever happens. I mean, the first time I ever spoke out, I spoke about um, the then deputy leader Jahangir Atta. I named him. I named the police officer PC Ali, which he's he's actually been killed now. He got killed in um, some some kind of car accident um so you know there's all these people that have been named they've been shamed they've walked away from their jobs most of them you know they're sat there now retired with pensions they've not really been dealt with any um consequences and even when uh, you know when i was exposed i mean my life's been made absolute hell by all different kinds of professionals and activists for exposing this and even when um the court case was finished um the Rotham council actually served me with a gagging order saying that i could no longer speak about it which of course i didn't listen to it um you know i'd never ever if somebody you know served me one of those i'm not going to listen to it Um, it's such important that we speak out we tell the public what's happening because the truth is it is still happening but i've had people such as Jahangir actor uh, threatening to sue me jane senior actually tried to win me, failed miserably at that Um, You know, her, Katherine Kelwick, I've lost count how many times I've actually gone to the police and tried having me arrested. And what they're saying is that me telling the public about, uh, you know, the corruption by professionals, they're saying that's harassment towards them. In fact, on one occasion, I actually contacted that many government officials with evidence And there was an investigation afterwards, which was upheld. So, you know, I was here telling the truth and was proved it. I told that many government officials, they placed me under investigation. Because, again, they were saying this is harassment towards professionals. Now, I was cleared. I was never charged with anything. But, um, you know, I honestly believe that if I didn't have the media on side, there is no doubt I'd I'd probably be sat in prison now anyway, because I was looking at life just for exposing it. It's crazy what they do to whistleblowers.
1: Yeah. And Sammy, you've, I think you, you were the person who first started actually naming individuals, didn't you? And that was one of the reasons why I think a lot of this has come out now, because a lot of people were talking about this, but you actually, you know, you're a very brave lady. I've got to say that Um, you actually started naming individuals, didn't you?
4: I did. And that was the first time I think in Rotherham it had ever been done. And what I did was I went and got all my own evidence because I tried to go to the police before I went to the media. And they said the only piece of evidence there was was one missing person report. Well, I know now that's untrue because I went and got all my own evidence. I got police records. I got social care files. I got medical records, education files. And then I started recording police officers on my mobile phone. Um, And, of course, I handed that to Andrew Norfolk. There was so much evidence that I gave to Andrew Norfolk, we was able to start naming people. So, again, Jahangir Akta, Orshad PC Alley. And I know there's been a lot of talk saying that we should not be allowed to name people until they're proven uh, guilty in a courtroom, and I'm very, very strongly against that. And, you know, my case proves that nobody even hardly gets into that courtroom, so we can't leave it until we get to court. So, you know, if That's, you look at what, everything that Rotherham did, I mean, even the when the council went down to the select committee and they actually said, why did you commission the Alexis Jay report that showed 1,400 children was just like me? And they actually said, because Jessica named one of our own. So I was known as Jessica then. I'd not waived my anonymity. So I named the Labour um, politician that opened everything. You know, it made yeah. such a, a, a country.
1: And Sammy... I mean, look, you know, if, if if it had been investigated properly and the police were taking it seriously and the politicians and the councils and everyone else then you wouldn't have needed to name people, would you? Um, It's almost like they're saying, no, no, good little girl, you just stay over there, you keep quiet. Um, I'm so pleased that you you didn't do that. You are really, really brave, Sammy. Um, So well done. Again, I'm going to say that again, because I just think it's um, an amazing story you're telling us. Um, Sammy, um, we've got about five minutes left. Let's talk about the really important thing, which is all the work that you're doing now. Um, What do you want to happen?
4: I want changes to happen. You know, it, it's all good. I've done. I've lost count how many exposures I've done on corruption and negligence. But you know, it's not just about exposing this. They've got to start and make change and help people. Now, I focus a lot around policy and law. So I'm asking for children not to be criminalised and um, for survivors that have been criminalised to be given the yeah. opportunity clear that. and am waiting to hear that from yourself. I'm asking for rapists to be stripped of parental rights so they can't have access to our children. Can you actually believe that our system allows rapists and paedophiles to apply in court for a couple of hundred quid, it's a simple form, to have contact and full custody of our children? They are women in this country that have to sit and play happy families with the men that raped them. Uh, they are women that are losing custody of their children to the men that raped them. I know women that are totally pulled out of criminal investigations because the first thing that's happening is social care are getting involved, doing an assessment to see if the women are capable um, of caring for the children, and then the rapist have been notified. It's absolutely crazy how badly, you know, not just victims, but, you know, now mothers are being treated. Our government's known about this for years. I did a a huge exposure on this because Rottenham Council invited my rapist into court proceedings. He didn't even ask to be invited. He's not even on the birth certificate. And he was in prison for 35 years. And they still invited him in, even when he didn't ask. Our children are being trafficked by professionals through the system. And our government knows and does nothing. So that's all I'm trying to trying to get changed.
1: That is shocking, Sammy. That 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 is really shocking. Um now you've been obviously like I said, you you're you are campaigning, you're very actively campaigning. You've been in Wales this week, haven't you? Tell us about that event and um how you were received there, what you talked about.
4: I asked, so I was in Wales and um, I go to Wales quite a lot, actually. I love Wales. Um and I went to do a speaking event. Um, So I will go and I will speak to professionals that are working with vulnerable people and I'll share my experiences and what worked and what didn't work, um, you know, for me and and what the needs are for lots of other people. Um, And I also played in my documentary Out the Shadows Born From Rape. So I uh, fronted a documentary that focuses on children born from sexual violence, you know, and sharing their stories and what their needs were as well, which went down really, really well. I met one of the police and crime commissioners there, uh, Um, You know, he seems really keen to want to uh, work together, which is great. I'm trying to get uh, some research commissioned by government as well for the needs of um, children born from sexual violence. So I suppose I've got my hand in a little bit of everything. And and the truth is, it's because so much is needed. Um, So I travel all over the country, even outside of of the UK, sharing my experiences um, and what happened to me to try and you know help professionals.
1: And... Presumably, because you're putting yourself in the public view like that, do you get people contacting you um, who are being affected and, and who have been affected in the past?
4: Yeah, I, I've had thousands over the years, especially when I launched um, an exposure as well. I remember when I did the family court exposure, it took me two years um, to start and, you know, kind of get back to everybody. And, you know, even when I were applying after the two years, though, like, Sam, it was two years ago. Um, it's difficult for me because... I'm not a support service, you know. I'm an activist. I've also still, you know, kind of fighting my own battles as well. So I do just have to say to people now, well, I've, you know, I'll refer you on to whether it's a solicitor if you need that kind of help or a support service. Um, I usually refer them on to the Maggie Oliver Foundation. Um, so yeah, I, I do get a lot of people, um, you know, and as well, a lot of people that are still going through it, still uh, getting trouble from services, not being supported properly um when i launched my documentary um out the shadows born from rape i had a lot of people contacting me there's not one service in this country that's set up for children born from rape i had nowhere to send them so i had to start on contact services and say i know you're not trained in this area but can you will can i at least you know put them forward to you and some actually agreed to do it but when some people are contacting the services they're being told well actually we're not even trained in this area so you need to go and set your own service up you know, it's it's shocking, and I I've spoken again to ministers, you know, to the Home Office, to to everybody, and they're still not recognise how important um, you know this issue is. You know, I, I find a lot of people just don't care.
1: So you have spoken, because that was going to be my next question. You know, which MPs, and have you spoken to any actual ministers? Have you actually met up with any ministers?
4: Oh, I've met up with just about everybody you can imagine. Um, I remember meeting the minister at the time. I don't think she's now, but um, she was called, I think, Lucy Frazier. Worst politician I've ever come across in my life. She sat there saying, There's pretty much no problems in the family courts. You know, judges know what they're doing. Children are being murdered by decisions. Of the judges, they've been raped, they've been trafficked. It's all evidence. When I did my exposure back in 2018, they commissioned the harms report. The harms report proved I was telling the truth. And you know, they sit there, you know, with a silver spoon at the backside. A lot of them, you know, and I'm not saying all of them, I know there's some good politicians. Um, but yeah, I find that most of them, you know, they just give it the usual PR talk and then they go on their way
1: yeah well listen sammy um thank you for coming on the freeman report again i'm going to continue to follow your story good luck with all of the work the great work that you're doing um where can people go and watch your documentary out of the shadows born from rape
4: it's on uh, bbc iPlayer.
1: fantastic um ladies and gentlemen the fantastic sammy woodhouse thank you so much um sammy and let's stay in touch um and um good luck with all of your work right okay we obviously we were just talking about Wales and we're going to stay in Wales um, for the next um, section of the show Um, after this short break I'll be um, talking to Gareth Wynne-Jones who's a farmer um, here in Wales Um, there was a meeting last night in Carmarthenshire 3,000 farmers um, turned up they paraded a coffin with RIP Welsh farming on it and also of course we've got the campaign now no farmers no food so don't go anywhere because Gareth will be on the line with me straight after this short break right here on TNT.
0: Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective.
3: Well, the latest in the Michael Mann versus Mark Stein trial is a little bit interesting. And I'm trying to figure out if this is right. Apparently, Dr. Mann's lawyers, there are four of them, and remember, Mark Stein is defending himself by himself. Apparently, they've asked for a nominal fee as far as damages go. And there is a rumor that what was asked for, now sit down, you ready for this? Was one dollar. Now, Mark Stein has spent around three and a half million dollars I've heard, I don't know, maybe it's more, maybe it's less, defending himself from Michael Mann and Michael Mann's lawsuit over the fact that Mark Stein thinks that Michael Mann hid the data and he called him a fraud. Right Now, I could see, for instance, let's say uh, the number one climatologist in the world said that to you. That's one thing. But Mark Stein is a journalist. That's the first thing. Second thing is, he had to raise the money to defend himself. And we've gone over this. But one dollar? Why would Michael Mann only want one dollar? You know why? He just wants the decision. He just wants to be able to say, see, he actually did. Defame me. I won the court case. Well, I don't think Stein wants any part of that because of the fact that He wants to drill it home that what Michael Mann did, take two samples out of 22 and then hide, he did. He hid the data from people who would criticize it and actually tear it apart. Mark Stein wants that to come out. One's pursuing the truth, the other seems to be hiding it. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got.
2: Right, I've got cancer. I've been trying to tell the rest of you, but no one's listening. And I don't just mean you, ears. Eyes, would you look in the damn toilet for once? Hands, roll those sleeves and take a sample. And legs, trot off to the doctor to get me looked at. Because bowel cancer can be successfully treated when detected early. Now look who's finally woken up.
0: James Freeman on today's
1: News Talk. TNT Radio. Right. Okay. So we're talking about farming again. And I just want to say that TNT fully supports um, the farmers in Wales and also farmers across Europe because this is a, a, um, a global issue, actually. It's not even just Europe. Um, we're seeing lots of protests. And I'm absolutely delighted that Gareth Wynne Jones um, has come on the show today to talk all about the meeting last night. Hello, Gareth. How are you doing?
5: Yeah. Very good. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Just- Billy Wayne, I wasn't at the meeting, but uh, yeah, a lot of my friends were down there and um, very, very powerful to see 3,000 farmers coming together. I was in the meeting the week before in Welshpool, which 1,100 farmers uh, turned up and that was the first meeting. So, you know, we are now creating more momentum. There was a lot of tractors there last night. Everything was peaceful and respectful.
1: Yeah. Now, Gareth, um, you know, um, this isn't a, 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 well, I shouldn't imagine this is a, a normal kind of thing for farmers to do in Wales. Obviously, you have the markets and everything where farmers meet in person. But for you, is is, is this the first time you've seen so many farmers meeting up to discuss these issues? And I guess if it is, what did it, what, what's the atmosphere like? It must be an amazing um, atmosphere there, even though we're, you know, you're meeting under these circumstances.
5: So the last time I remember something similar to this was 30 years ago, a little bit more than 30 years ago. Um the farmers are the last people that will go out to, you know, protest or, you know, to 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 voice their fears because we've got a job to do, we've got animals to watch after, we've got crops to tend to, we've got land to maintain. Um, farmers are the last person to go out and protest. And that's what's scary to see these protests worldwide. You know this is not something that's just happening in wales these are draconian measures that are coming in uh policies and that's why farmers are coming together to voice our anger our frustration and we're making sure or we're trying to make sure there will be a future for our children producing food to feed the nation and i, and I want to add as well you know we we've got three main points that uh it's been passed in both both the uh, meetings we've had so far uh point one is the sfs uh, the sustainable so sustainable farming scheme that the welsh government uh the labour welsh government are bringing in well it, it's definitely not going to work you know one of the policies in that is for us to grow 10 trees. it's it's bonkers it's bonkers another policy that we want to you know look at and address is the mvz you know, the night rate re- zones man so we we're not allowed to carry our manure over the winter months you know it's going to cost farmers hundreds of thousands to store the extra amount and we look at you know massive corporations water corporations just turning and you know releasing their sewage and their overflows into the mm. rivers into the sea. and nobody points the finger they, they, factually, most probably, you know, every MP has ticked that off and they're not bothered. But the farmer, again, is persecuted. And the third one, and this is really important because this is a major problem in Wales, is TB. TB in cattle is a massive problem. We are losing thousands of cows weekly to this horrific disease. Now, in England, they have had a cull. You know, reducing the number of badgers has worked. And I think this is really important because by reducing the number of badgers in these areas, the TB's gone down. But what else has come back is the hedgehogs, the ground nesting birds and the bumblebees. We are in a crossroads for our wildlife and for our farming and we need to be working together. And this, again, was a government policy that came in, uh, you know, to stop all pulling of badgers so it's a licensed apex predator that's protected but it's causing distress disease and destruction in our wildlife populations
1: yeah and gareth i have got farmers in in the family my in-laws have a farm over by monmouth so i do understand the tb thing so let's let's just talk about that because i know how devastating that can be for farmers and how much a worry is because of course you have your tests every now and again don't you and it You know, you have to wait, what is it, 24 hours, three days till you get the results. And the implications for the farm, if if TB is found, tell us about the implications for farmers when they find TB in one of the animals.
5: Okay, so last year we TB tested in November. And for the first time ever, as a farm, we went down. Absolutely horrendous. Um, So we had two inconclusives and then they had to be isolated and then tested you know in 60 days um we decided to send them both off to be slaughtered then it was a whole herd test um skin and gamma um so taking the bloods from every cow every calf you know even the little calves had to be done then we then lost quite a few more cattle um but it's do you know what i can't even explain the emotional and the stress that you go through. I, I had most probably eight or nine sleepless nights. You know, I just couldn't get my head around it as a farmer that, you know, I'm, I'm one of them first cows was one of the, our best cows. And I didn't want to let her go, but, you know, you're, you're advised by your, your vet and the ministry vet that you have to. And it's devastating because what people don't understand is these cows will go into the food chain. You know, very little of them don't go into the food chain um and it's the stress financially as well because people don't understand you know you're compensated okay so you're compensated on that on them cows but then you're taxed on that compensation and not only are you taxed on that compensation you need to replace that cow which is going to cost you more than what you've had for it because you knew that cow was worth more than what you you know you financially yeah. were given and, and, and it's frustrating i've got another friend in south wales at this moment who has lost 180 cows and he will be losing a lot more it's it's just a devastating disease
1: yeah and gareth the other thing you know for people that are not familiar with farming it's actually quite a risky um exercise isn't it because these are huge great animals and of course you have to pen them you have to bring them in if you've got them on the field you have to put them you know and um you know my my um family they've had incidents um around when when they've been trying to test for tb so this is a huge huge issue now gareth you say in england that um that um you know they've had this um um thing where they're reducing the badger population why is that not happening in wales
5: well it's a welsh government policy that they will not agree for any um you know reduction in the number of badgers to be done, you know, not even on a scientific uh, basis. And the science is there. You know, I, I was in Dairy Tech on Wednesday and talking to one of the chief vets there that's worked on it. And the science is there. The TB numbers in cattle was reduced. But I think there's the spin-off on this as well is, you know, the wildlife is suffering. You know, it's destructing our hedgehog populations, our ground nesting birds overpopulation of anything will cause a problem now you can have your wind in the willows and you know you fantastic Mr Fox but unless we address the problem and Get people to understand it's not a fairy tale in the countryside. These are matters that need to be sorted out. And if we can reduce the number of badgers, have a healthy population of badgers, we don't want to get rid of them, healthy population of badgers, healthy population of cows and a healthy population of hedgehogs, ground nesting birds and bumblebees, we're on a winner.
1: Yeah. And the other thing to point out here, Gareth, as well, isn't it, is that, you know, when they've reduced the populations of badgers, it's done humanely, isn't it? It's not, you know, because people will be aware of badger baiting and all this kind of stuff. It's done properly by trained people. Um, You know, there's no um, sort of suffering of the badger, is there?
5: No, no. And, you know, these people are trained professionals. They go out to do the job, you know, they're paid to do it. And that's how it should be. You know, it shouldn't be done willy nilly. Um, yeah, but I, but I believe as well, the law has to be looked at and the people uh, in Parliament, they are afraid. And in in our Welsh Parliament or our Welsh Assembly, they are afraid. They're afraid to stick their heads out, their necks out to say, yeah, we need to address this problem because they're afraid to lose votes. It's all about, you know, inner city votes. Because look at what we are as a population. There's 1.8 percent, a percent of us as farmers compared to 98 percent of the rest, and we are 1.8 that are feeding the 98 percent. You know, it, it, we're yeah. working hard try and feed people sustainably, affordably, you know, in a regenerative way. And it's flipping difficult. It's really, really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the
1: fact that the politicians are scared for votes. Well, I'll tell you what they blimmin' well should be because um, the population support farmers. They understand um, that farmers are important. So with that in mind, um, you had the meeting yesterday. What are the plans? Because obviously in Europe, we've seen some pretty aggressive um, protesting. We've seen farmers outside of the European Parliament spraying manure in France. Of course, they're very, very militant there. They've been spraying manure over government buildings. What are the plans for Welsh farmers going forward in terms of both protest? What what are you going to do next?
5: What's the plan? Well, there's nothing planned yet. Everything's, you know, on the drawing board, you know, the, hand, the, the hand's been put over now to Welsh Government to look at these policies and try to address it and start to, you know, give us some positive feedback. Farmers will be respectful, they'll be peaceful. You know, we, we do not want to lose the public support we have, okay? Even that we're fighting for our businesses and for our lives and our livelihoods. We have a massive massive mental health problem within our industry you know suicides have gone out the roof we've got mental health charities left right and centre why because supermarkets pushing prices down and we've got government pushing policies that are unworkable for our industry and never forget what i'm going to tell you now This industry was subsidised after the Second World War. It was subsidised with a CAP, you know, the Common Agricultural Policy. And that subsidy went to produce food affordably. So that money came to a farmer to produce that food, to feed the nation in a sustainable and affordable way. Once that subsidy is moved out, it's the general public that will be paying the extra two or threefold per item. Otherwise, the farmers are out of business
1: gareth sadly we have run out of time ladies and gentlemen gareth Wynne jones um gareth i know you're on um, the show at 12 o'clock this sunday with um Dee Dee denslow on tnt radio um where i know you're going to get more time to go in depth into some of these issues but listen you've got the full support and farmers have of tnt and i think you've got the full support of the public as well so keep on doing what you're doing thank you very much gareth Wynne jones and to the rest of you don't go anywhere stick with us right here on tnt